0: God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. let us go to Lord in prayer Lord we thank you for this moment in which we have uh, to remember and reflect on your goodness to be excited and anticipate this season of which we are a part to recognize your presence in it and your desire Lord to shine brightly through each of us so help us Lord turn us to you help us to focus on you help us to be open to you Uh, to hear your word, Lord, and perhaps to be uh, illuminated by it. I pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. At our staff meeting this past week, Angela shared a story that I thought illustrates perfectly the theme for this first Sunday of Advent, Holy Time. A man stood outside a metro station in Washington, D.C. It was a cold January morning, and he began to play the violin. For 45 minutes, he played six masterpieces beginning with Bach. It was rush hour, and a thousand people began to walk by at this time. After about three minutes, one man stopped, or at least he paused looked at the man playing, and then continued on his way. It was a minute after that, and he received his first tip. A lady dropped a dollar in the tin can in front of him, but she never broke stride, headed in the direction that she was going. But then a few minutes after that, one man finally did stop. He rested against the back of the wall, began to listen to the music, but it wasn't long before he looked at his watch and went on his way in the hurry in which he came. But one person paid attention. It was a three-year-old boy. You know, as children do, they see something they like, and they begin to tug on you, and they want to stop. But his mother was in a hurry and began to push the kid along. And the kid turned his head the whole time watching the violin, and the man playing it. This action was repeated several times by other children, but ironically, every single parent hurried their child along, and none of them stopped. In this 45 minutes, only seven people stopped and stayed for a while. Twenty began to give money, but each one continued to walk. And the man raised $32. When he finished playing, and there was silence One lady remained. It was only one lady that recognized who he was, but all the other thousands that had walked by continued on their busy way. This violinist was Joshua Bell. Maybe you know him or maybe you don't, but Google him and understand the prodigy he is and the talent that he has. One of the best musicians in the world, playing on one of the most intricate pieces ever made worth three and a half million dollars three days before joshua bell had sold out a theater in boston playing many of those same pieces to a crowd that paid at least a hundred dollars for their seats this is a real story it was organized by the washington post as a social experiment what do we learn if we don't have a moment, if we don't take a moment to stop and listen to one of the best musicians in the world playing some of the best music in the world on one of the most expensive instruments in the world, how many other things are we missing? It's here. The season is here. The Christmas season has begun now that Thanksgiving is over and it's here. You know what I'm talking about? The busyness. The busyness of the holiday season can overrun the sense of the holy. And if we're not careful, we may miss it. We may walk right past it. The irony is that it's setting apart time for connection with the holy that seems to get pushed aside in order to create the trappings of what is meant to be a season of celebrating the incarnation of Christ's presence with us here on earth. So this year, we begin our Advent journey toward Christmas by emphasizing the gift, the presence, the present of being aware of the now. A gift of sacred time, of holy time, With God, with each other, and those who we know are in need of hope. Where will we see the Holy this Christmas? Where will you experience the reflection of the Holy this season? The scripture for this first Sunday of Advent comes from the Gospel of Matthew. And begins our holy time with the concept of waiting. Who are you waiting for? And what does that waiting require? Let's discover in our gospel lesson today coming from the book of Matthew chapter 24 verses 36 through 44. I invite you to take your Bibles out and follow along. The pew Bibles are your devices on home, I hope you'll join us in the reading of today's scripture also. Matthew chapter 26, excuse me, 24, verse 36. But about that day and hour no one knows, neither, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man, This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. Advent emphasizes this concept of waiting. And we look at it as a major theological idea. It says if we get to this first Sunday of Advent, which if you follow the Christian year is the first Sunday of the year. And we know that Christ has been born, we know it's Christmas, we know the season in which we anticipate, but here we are, in these days before, knowing He's born, but we're waiting and anticipating His birth. It's almost like we are in this already and not yet concept. We think of this time, this space as an in-between time, as if it's a vacuum. A vacuum that's void of the sacredness and the fullness of Christ. Christ is the fullness of everything. Always and everywhere, already present. He's the physical manifestation of what is already here. Remember John 1? The word was in the beginning with God. So what are we waiting for? Perhaps we're waiting for ourselves. Perhaps we're waiting to fully know the presence of the holy that is reflected in and through each one of us. So in a sense, we can say that we wait, but that waiting is an active revealing, if we will only say yes, to the invitation of what we already thought we knew to what we now, and once again, during this season of Advent, fully recognize as the Holy, as Christ Himself. One way to wait till we see is contemplation. Marcy McPhee shares this practice of attentiveness is a way we begin to fill in the gaps. But part of this practice is to soften our focus, to let things be mysterious for a time, to simply wonder without the need to have all the answers, and to let things soak in. So at some time, at some point, we have to stop and recognize the music in the subway station for what it is, or perhaps the music of Christmas that sings in our hearts, that pulls us, that draws us into this intimacy where we want to know Christ more. So what happens? It's almost like this time is rearranged for each one of us. It's reimagined for most of us. A time perhaps when we are most busy... Are most easily distracted by the music of the world. So, in stopping, we take time to know, to distinguish, to pinpoint what we are listening to and who it is that we are reflecting. Alden, at the beginning of our worship service, led us in a time such as this reflection, a time that we could focus and recognize God's holy presence in our life. Our hope is that you will take this time. You will find a time, and I'll speak more to it later. Maybe you're one who welcomes this time. You yearn for that time of silence and time of reflection. Or maybe you're one who you find yourself being a little fidgety and it's just hard to be still. It's okay if there's discomfort when we slow down and we try to empty ourselves and just be present. What can you do this season? What can you do this season Where awe and wonder take the lead rather than busyness and consumption. A time in which our attentiveness is geared to recognizing the reflection of the holy. Seeing the reflections of the holy, Christ himself, requires that we pay more attention to the right now rather than the past are the future. Our minds are so easily occupied by memory and imagination, and what wonderful gifts that we are given. But living in those places often distracts us of another great gift, of being present, of being fully present in the now, today, in a deeper way. Richard Rohr said we are never actually separated from the presence of God, from the sacred, except in our minds' incessant activity. That was an interesting scripture that we read from Matthew today. Perhaps it invokes anxiety. Perhaps it invokes something you're not too sure you understand. Or maybe, and hopefully, it does evoke some hope the scriptures that Matthew shares with us speak to what we are really waiting for he's clear that the talk is about waiting for Christ, the second coming of Christ and the timing of when all it will happen we like Christmas, we like anticipating Christmas even in the busyness of getting ready for Christmas and this season and focusing on Jesus' birth But the reality is that we begin this Advent season as we often begin each year is a realization that one day Christ will come again. This new beginning has a reality and a consequence in our life and it's not just a story that we remember each year. Life-saving actions of Jesus have a point and a time of which we do not know, but of which each of us will face. Now many believe Jesus would come during their lifetime, but He is not. And so far as we know, He is still not come. The scripture tells us that the hour of this event is known to God and to God alone. It's not our duty to speculate when it will happen. It's not our consumption to try to figure out this effective interpretation, but to prepare ourselves and to watch and to wait. But it doesn't mean we do nothing. We do know that when the time comes, it will be a shattering of sadness for those who find themselves immersed in worldly things. Matthew, remind us in today's scripture, if you see it and have it still open, in verse 38 of Noah when the floods were coming. What was Noah doing? He was busy getting things ready. Others were just carrying on business as usual, partaking in worldly matters, caught completely unaware of, And swept away. Let us not get so immersed in the busyness of this season. And what we are doing and what's before us. That we forget what's more important. Eternity. In other words, that we forget to stop and look for the reflection of the holy in and around us. Let us take time now to be ready for His coming. For we don't know when that time may happen. It seems clear and it's hard for us to hear that when Christ comes. There will be separation and judgment. But again, look to the scripture from Matthew, verse 40 and verse 41. Two specific examples He offers where two will be in a field and two will be grinding meal together. One will be taken, and one will be left. One who lives with, without watchfulness invites disaster. One who lives without watchfulness invites disaster. But this is not meant to be a time of fear. This is not meant to be a time of tribulation. We might anticipate Christ's second coming with that fear or tribulation. But this shouldn't be a time, especially as we begin this Advent season, that Christ's coming scares us. But it should be a time that we anticipate, we hopefully anticipate the coming of the glory and the joy that Christ once again brings. There's also a caution in this time of waiting. There's also a warning in which I think we need to heed. Perhaps we go too far to the extreme to think that there's plenty of time. We've got plenty of time. So we can do whatever we want to do now. William Barclay tells the story of three apprentice devils who are coming to the earth to finish their apprenticeship. They were talking to Satan about their plans to tempt and ruin humankind. The first devil said that I'll tell them there's no God. And Satan said that won't draw many people away for they already know there is a God. The second said I will tell men that there's no hell. Satan answered you won't convert many because hell seems to already be evidence. The third said I will tell humankind there's no hurry. Go, Satan said. Go and you will see thousands ruined. Probably one of the greatest. And the most dangerous delusions that we have is thinking we have time. That we have plenty of time. There are some things which we should not put off. Church, hear that. There are some things which we should not put off. For we don't know if tomorrow will ever come. We don't know when Christ will come again. And this Advent season once again reminds us of that. not apocalyptic speculation or interpretation let us not quit the work of being the church but take up our duty with more urgency but this kind of doomsday drama can cloud the confidence that is described in Rohr's advent reflections he says the theological virtue of hope is the patient and trustful willingness to live without closure, without resolution, and still be content and happy because our satisfaction is now at another level and our source is beyond ourselves. Let us begin framing our Advent journey in terms of identifying this holy time, this sacred time, the word sacred literally means set <clears throat> apart. So how, we in, how will we engage the idea that all of time is pregnant and full of possibility for reflecting the sacred? For all we have to do is take a moment to stop and notice it. To marvel at something holy, to take a deep breath, to light a candle, to speak of the deepest things that we know with the trusted friend, to spend a bit of time to make life better for someone in some place, or to stop and listen to the music, recognizing the source from which It came. Any of these are the way we turn what is often a busy season into a journey with a deeper connection to the holy. So what will you do with the time that you have? The name of God the Father... God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you for this holy time and holy season you give us. Help us to recognize your presence and to reflect your presence in the midst of it. Amen.